0: One of the things that we're learning here is that the importance of worship when we come together corporately is it helps just calm the competing voices of our week so that we can just, and it allows us to hear the Lord more clearly. And so it is always a great honor and a pleasure to have Sarah do the worship because she's good at it. We love you, Sarah. So, tonight, and I could spend hours talking about Jesus, but you didn't really come here to hear me talk about Jesus for hours, so you can come back on another time and we'll do that. But tonight I do want to talk about a little bit about communication with God, because there is a misperception because of the legalism that comes into the church and into our lives that hearing from God is usually corrective or usually the exception to the rule or the booming voice of God that you faint or pass out with but the reality is in the, the God from the very beginning always intended communication to be two way right from the beginning with Adam and Eve and you see in Genesis there was this back and forth communication between God, between Adam and between God and Eve. I mean, God and Adam were so tight that God let Adam name all of the creation, all the the creatures of the earth and God accepted those designations. And that shows a level of intimacy and trust in that relationship that was intended from the beginning. And then Somewhere along the line, and not just with Adam, but starting with Adam in the fall, things began to change and communication became less clear. But the reality is, it wasn't that God moved away, it was that man moved away. See, somehow we've been, the church has been carrying this concept that sin separates us from God and therefore our communication is a struggle. And that is just not true. Jesus paid the price for sin. He destroyed sin at the cross. And all of our sins, past, present, and future, were dealt with. And we have been returned to right standing with God. And because of that, we should be expecting to have the type of communication God and Adam had. Every single day, they walk together and talk together every single day they shared ideas and thoughts and emotions with each other and that's the that's what communication is about see the hallmark of communication is a relationship you cannot enjoy a meaningful relationship unless you have meaningful communication and what is communication it means to partake or to participate in another person's Thought, opinions, ideas, and attributes. God wants to share his thoughts with us. And he wants to hear yours. He wants to share his attributes, his character with us. And he wants to participate in yours. And he wants to share ideas. He even likes to share jokes. He's very funny. God is very funny. If we're receptive to it. And if you go back, I mean, when you look at it, this communication that Adam and God had, and Eve and God had, was so pure. Because there was no guilt, and there was no shame, and there was no condemnation in the beginning. And then, we know there were other voices, though. Because Eve heard the voice of the serpent, right? Right? And so even from the very beginning, there was the voice of God, there was the voice of Adam and Eve, there was the voice of Serpent, and so there was this beginning of a massive amount of voices that have culminated in our society today with all kinds of noise, all kinds of voices, all kinds of communication ideas and thoughts bombarding us every single day. I mean, there's an advertising industry. That's all they do. Okay? And so, but we, we've gotten an accelerated sense of noise coming at us. But yet, the intent of God is to cut through all of that so we can have a meaningful dialogue on a daily basis. And depending on where you look at the, the, the history of the garden I mean, if you think of yourself as a descendant of Adam today and working out of trying to earn God's respect or earn God's favor, you're always going to fall short in your communication because that's not the original intent. But if you come from the perspective that Jesus paid the price, he restored our righteousness that was lost in Adam and because he's restored our righteousness and original intent is now available to us, that pureness of communication comes back. But somewhere between understanding that God wants the purity of communication that he once had, and today, we still got to deal with these competing voices. Because they distract. And so God uses many ways to try to help us in our communication But if you just scan the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, it's always talking about the voice of God, the voice of God, the voice of God. God never has stopped talking to us. But some in our culture and some in the church just stopped listening. For whatever reason, they've stopped listening. Frustrations. The, legal, the burdens of legalism, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you can't do this, you can't do that, that old covenant mentality. And people, a lot of them in our society today, have checked out from God. Because they haven't been able to hear through all of the competing voices and thoughts and patterns to find the purity of what Jesus has done. Jesus has really made it quite simple. I have come and I have restored you. Period. And all you have to do is believe. And if you believe that He has restored you, that's the first step towards reestablishing that communication that God originally intended. And when you get to that point, it's like, wow. You know, I came to Christ at 36, and for the next 22 years of that, I lived under the law. And being a lawyer, that was probably pretty natural, so... Um, But in this last year and a half, that has changed radically as I have become to understand that it's about grace and not about law. And that changes your mindset and it changes your heart. It lifts the burdens from your heart to the point that you want to begin to communicate frequently with God. There's that draw into his heart about that. And that's what he wants. And so he's sending... Ways to us to communicate, one of which is the prophet and prophecies, which we'll talk about. But when you look at the scriptures, it, I mean, he so longs for us to hear his voice. You know, in Psalm sixty-eight thirty-three, in the King James version, it says, "To him that rideth upon the heavens, which were of old, lo, he does send out his voice, and it's a mighty voice." And in Psalm 95, 7, he says, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture for the sheep of his hand. And today, if we will hear his voice. See, we can choose not to. But he is constantly speaking. And in Proverbs 8, 4, says, Unto you, O man, I call, and my voice is to the sons of man. Wow. And by the way, that voice to the sons of man doesn't matter if you're saved or not, he's always talking. He's calling. He's speaking. He's wooing. He's trying to reestablish the fullness of what Jesus has done to reestablish the original intent. And so, we don't have as believers a corner on the market about God talking to us. But we should be helping those who are having trouble hearing clearly to hear more clearly. That's one of our calls. It's part of the ministry of reconciliation. And you know, the Song of Solomon is a love song. It's a love story of constant communication. In in Song of Solomon 2.8, it says, The voice of my beloved, behold, he cometh leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. And in verse chapter 5 verse 2 it says I sleep but my heart waketh it is the voice of my beloved that knocketh saying open to me my sister my love my dove my undefiled for my head is filled with dew and my locks with the drips of the night I mean it's, it's a gushy communication at times because he's, what's his primary language love he loves he loves he is not angry with us There isn't one thing anyone in this room has ever done that has caused God to be angry. Because Jesus settled it at the cross. It's done. And so for us to go around saying God is angry at me is missing the communication. Because that's not his attitude. It's not his thought towards you. It's not his purpose and intent towards you. So for me to believe that is to miscommunicate with him. Isaiah 8, 6, excuse me, 6, 8 says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then then said I, Here I am, I send me. So here's a reverse communication or a reciprocal communication. He heard the voice of the Lord. He's talking back to him. And that's the pattern in Scripture. Now, the problem sort of between Genesis 3 and when we get to the 430 years of captivity is what you see as a diminishing participation of man in communication with God God's still talking sin didn't scare him because he talked to Cain after he Cain murdered Abel so sin didn't scare God didn't cause him to pull away he talked to Noah he talked to Abraham even after Abraham tried to give his wife away twice Guys, I don't recommend that. <laughs> but what you see is this pattern of diminishing communication. I mean, Abraham had a fairly good set of communication with God, but not daily. Isaac had some. Jacob had some, but then once they go into the descendants go into Egypt for 430 years. Rarely is the voice of the Lord referenced in Scripture at that point until Moses has the burning bush experience. So for 430 years, no written Scriptures, nobody encountering God, what do you think happened to these people in the, in their perception of God in 430 years? They they sort of lost track of who he is and how to talk to him. Wouldn't you think? I mean, someone goes away that was a friend of yours and you don't see him for 10 years, you kind of Take some time to reestablish communication if they resurface. And so, God wanting to establish a people in anticipation of Jesus, pick people who He hasn't communicated with, well, He's communicated, but they haven't heard for 430 years. That's a problem, wouldn't you say? If Ed didn't talk to me for 430 years, it'd be pretty interesting. <laughs> So God had to do something to start communication again. What did he do? Well, he took them to the mountain, right? And he invited them all to come up to the mountain. Why? Because he wanted to talk. He wanted to talk. And they said, no. Moses, you go. So Moses came back with what? The scriptures. The beginning of the scriptures, right? Why? Why? Well, they wouldn't talk to God. They weren't hearing God. So he had to put something before them to begin to reestablish himself in terms of what his character was, and what his attributes were, what his thoughts were, what his intentions were. And and the reality is, those those were almost first grade level primers (laughs) to start. Because they had no reference point. But in those scriptures, he began to reveal himself. But the reality is it was an incomplete picture. Because until Jesus comes, we don't get the complete picture because we don't truly see the Father until we see Jesus. So, the Old Testament scriptures cannot give us a full revelation of, of God. Or his love for us. Or his heart for us. Really what they are is the beginning, primer. of of an introduction to him. And because it's an incomplete picture, he begins to do some other things to help fill in the blanks, one of which he sent prophets. Because prophets, for some reason, tend to hear a little more clearly. I don't know why that is. Maybe it's the hours hours and 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 hours they They're on their face before God, listening. Maybe that has something to do with it. But he sent prophets to begin to give more revelation. And then that revelation becomes part of the scriptures because we have a lot of the prophets recorded. But that's still an incomplete picture at that point because Jesus hasn't come. So he gives dreams because we read about dreams. We read about visions. Those are all more advanced methods of communication to try to fill in the blank. But they never undo the original primer in a sense of God's character is still revealed. But the ultimate revelation is Jesus. And that's that's what God wants us to get to, the point of where we're having communication because of what Jesus has done, unafraid of God, because what happened to Adam and Eve after the after they they ate? They fear set in, shame set in, condemnation set in, guilt set in. Everything that has led to the yucky emotions of our culture and our life came from that. But then Jesus comes and goes. Yeah, but I've got the answer because I am the answer. Let me show you, Dad. Let me show you, Dad. He's not. He's not the dad you think he is. And so as we study Jesus, we start to get a more clear picture. So the New Testament scriptures begin to give us an even greater revelation. It's now not just the first grade. It's more like the seventh and eighth and ninth grade texts. We're getting more complete revelation. But interestingly, dreams continue. Visions continue. I mean... John was taken up into the heavens and given massive revelation. Peter had visions. Paul had visions. Paul heard the audible voice of the Lord when he got knocked off his keister, you know. Um, and so God hasn't withdrawn those kinds of revelation and communication because he knows that our hearts will always need to be stirred and so he sends prophets to help stir and fill in the blanks in our lives as we pursue Jesus and if you look in in the scriptures in the New Testament especially hearing is supposed to be a now expectation Hebrews 3 7 in the New Living Translation says this is, why the, this is why the Holy Spirit says today when you hear His voice. And that same verse out of the mirror translation starts out in Psalm 95, 7-11. The Holy Spirit said, discern the voice of the shepherd. Grasp the urgency of what God is saying to you today. So there's like this encouragement to seek and be intentional about hearing His voice. intentionality is part of the relationship intentionality is part of the call be intentional about hearing his voice who who is he saying that to he's saying that to us i mean if you if you come to live off the pro, from prophetic word to prophetic word to prophetic word you're going to be greatly disappointed because you're going to miss much in between the prophetic word is to stimulate dialogue with you and God and to reveal things to you that God wants you to get that you've had trouble grasping hold of at that point so if you look in the mirror translation if you were to go to 2nd Timothy chapter 3 and you can turn there in whatever translation you have with you but but it's going to read a little bit different than what you have. The mirror translation is a paraphrase based upon grace and the work of Jesus through grace. And it says in 2 Timothy 3:16, Jesus Christ is the work of salvation. Excuse me, Jesus Christ and his work of salvation is the theme of scripture. The value of scripture in its most complete context is always found in God's prophetic voice inspiring a thorough education and the revelation of righteousness. This is what carries the breath of God and gives substance and proof to accurately gauge what is being taught. And what, they're say, what this, this translation is saying is the voice of God is prophetic because it's always encouraging, it's always edifying, it's always comforting us. And this, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. And what is the testimony of Jesus? It's about our righteousness. Our restored righteousness. It's about our restored and renewed being. And so, we have this edification in the revelation of righteousness, this education that God is constantly revealing our righteousness to us. That's okay. That's okay. That's not a problem. You see, God wants you to get it. In 1 Corinthians 4, verses 10 and 11 says, There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. See, if you don't know how God talks to you, you'll be a foreigner to him. And in 1 Corinthians 4, 10, 11, from the King James Version, it actually uses the word voices in place of languages. It says, there are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I, not, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian, and he that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. If I don't understand how God communicates, I'll look at him like, duh, who are you? And so, he's trying to train us. Starting with the scriptures. But the scriptures are not the end all of communication by God. They are the barometer, they are the plumb line for his communication to us. But, it's not the means and end in itself. His voice is the true level of communication. And we can hear that voice if we train ourselves to do so. And he will and he wants us to do that. He tells us in First John chapter four, verses one through four, he tells us to test the spirits. and whether or not the, those spirits that we're communicating with, are are speaking of Jesus and what he's done to reestablish our righteousness but that word spirit we automatically jump to demons or angels or Holy Spirit but it's much deeper than that that word actually also includes let me find it here The impressions, the thoughts that we are entertaining. Sometimes it will be the voices from outside. Sometimes it will be voices from within. It's our reference point. It's how we look at things. It's not just a being, but it's also the sum or volume of information that's coming towards us. And so John tells us in, in their that we should test all of that. And if it's truly the voice of God, whether it's from prophetic revelation or any other kind of revelation, its purpose ought to establish in us the love of God, the grace of God, and reference and be about the finished works of Jesus. See, every voice from God, including prophecy, should confirm the unconditional love of God for every single person no matter what the condition. And the prophetic, or excuse me, and the voice should also include and always minister his grace and favor towards a person regardless of their condition or behavior being displayed at that moment. And his voice will always bring evidence of the finished and perfected word of Jesus in all men. And his voice will always magnify Jesus and the finished works, not a person or not aspects of the world. You see, any voice that doesn't magnify Jesus, doesn't talk about God's reestablished righteousness or our reestablished righteousness with God, but starts to put burdens on us or starts to call us into things away from God that's what we have to learn to distinguish is it lifting us up or is it pulling us down is it pulling us away from God or pointing us towards God is it giving us hope or is it causing despair we have been gifted with the ability to discern that and it's time the church exercised its discerner and stopped having a pity party. We cannot effectively meet the needs of our culture spiritually, physically, emotionally, whatever if we're not displaying love. If we're condemning people hey, i got news for you. Jesus stopped condemning people at the cross because he took all of it on himself. Now, there's a judgment day, but that's not a condemnation day. That's a different thing. Condemnation ended. The condemnation that was released by Adam ended at the cross. And when I live a life that I understand I'm not condemned, there's such freedom in that. There's such joy in that prophecy in 1 Corinthians 14 talks about you know the prophecy or the focus of prophecy in the new, in the new covenant should be edification exhortation and comfort and briefly i'm just going to i don't want to take up all of Ed's time but edification talks to us, talks to us about foundation it's actually the root word for foundation or structure and that word talks about foundation or structure of our identity if we don't know who we are in Christ we're going to struggle for, with the exhortation and the comfort part because the foundation is our identity. Jesus re-established our identity. Jesus declared us righteous. Jesus declared us forgiven. Yeah. Jesus declared us whole. But if I look in the mirror and I go, yuck, I've dis- I disagreed with what Jesus has just said. So I've got to readjust my thinker at that point. So so edification is about reestablishing and confirming our identity in Christ. And so when you get a prophetic word, that's one of the things that you can tell if it's authentic or not. Does it point you to Jesus and who you are in relationship to him? And then another part of it is exhortation. It's not enough to just know that your identity has been restored and that your structure, your foundation has been solidified, but it's about being revealed to you that you're part of a larger family, the body of Christ, and that you have permission to believe that you are who he says you are. I can have had knowledge of my identity, but if I don't know it in my heart, I'm going to struggle. So God is working with that in us, and then finally comfort. You know, because we all have rough days, we all go through things, we have physical issues, we have people wanting to take and, and call us everything in the book, and that's increasing in this day because we're believers. And so God sends comfort to relieve our pain, to relieve our pressures, to relieve our anxieties, and to give us a sense that our burdens have been relieved because Jesus says, my burdens are light. And so edification, exhortation, and comfort is not just an exercise of reading it in the scripture, it's actually what God wants, the prophetic word. To do. And that's what Ed does very well. So the, finally the, the true test of when evaluating a competing voice or a voice that's out there, I'm going to give you like three th- questions so, so that when you're alone with your thoughts and a voice comes, you can ask yourself number one, does this voice confirm the greatness of my architectural structure, my identity in Christ? Because if the voice does not Affirm your identity in Christ. It's not from God. Number two. Does the voice call me to believe that I am who God says I am in spite of my present failures or circumstances? In other words, does it call me higher than my circumstances? And number three. Is the is the voice, and it could even be a dream, it could be a vision, whatever method of communication that you're entertaining at that moment, does it lift the burdens off of my heart? And thereby increasing my peace and my rest. Because you know, as children of God, we're, we walk in the Sabbath rest. We're supposed to be at rest. Not in a sense of non-activity, but it, but from the pressures of our heart. So that's what God is doing today. And, and the, the, one of the benefits of grace is restoring communication and teaching us how to talk he's teaching us his language and grace is his language because it's the language of Christ love is his language because it's the language of Christ prophecy is founded and in, in, in fulfilled in love the communication of God is fulfilled and communicated through the channel of love there's isn't one person in this room that God doesn't love so much that he laid down his life for every one of you he laid his life down for because he wanted to No one forced him to. He made that decision even before he created the universe. Because you know, God knew Adam was going to fall. So God purposed to find you before you were even lost. That's pretty cool. He chose to find you before you were even lost. He chose you.